Guess what the name of the podcast is officially? Holy Cannoli. Holy Cannoli. Yay! What do you think? Yay, I really like that one. This podcast is all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred, and life is strange. And I'm Tony Gaffastone. Yeah, recording. Hey, everybody. Hey, this is episode three. Guess what? Episode three of Holy Cannoli. If you listen to episode one and two, you know sort of how we formed the name. I'm sitting with my mother-in-law at our new house. So things have progressed pretty quickly over the past few months. We're not moving too far. We're still in Redwood City, California. We're not in L.A. or SoCal or anywhere. We're still in the same city, but my in-laws came to visit. We just presented my mother-in-law, Carol, with cannoli, because she's responsible for this name. It's your fault. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you listen to episode two, I said, Carol gets to pick a question, something moving forward. First of all, responses to holy cannoli. What did you think? Oh, it it came through my brain so quickly. It just, I didn't even have to think about it. That was like the divine Holy Spirit. It was. Projecting yes. through you, yes. What we sh- you. thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I was listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very holy of you. Okay, so um, you get to give a question or two. So moving forward, okay. In the future, okay. What would you like the podcast guests to discuss? Give me a few options, and I'm going to bring this back, and I'm going to bring it back to Carol, and we could even call it Carol's question carol's curious cannoli what's another word for questioning with a c no i don't i don't need to have everything in a c but carol what are you curious about what do you want people to talk about okay my very first question that i ask people is are you a hugger (laughs) you ask that question i ask it all the time i ask it all the time my wife's in the background <laughs> yelling, tell us more about that. <laughs> when I was growing up, my mom died when I was 16. And an Auntie Grace came to live with me. And she would hug us all the time. And I was not used to being hugged all the time. And I realized that it was a very welcoming thing. And as I've grown older, I'm 70. <laughs> I have found that people more and more appreciate a hug, especially people who have lost their spouses, lost a child, lost a dog or a cat, a favorite pet. Um, hugs are important. And so that is my most often asked question of people. Some people oh, say no, no mm-hmm. and they back up really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if any podcast listeners, podcast addicts, strangers out there, what do you think about this question? I, I for one, love it because I've encountered a lot of people that say they don't ask the question. They say, hey, I'm a hugger. Bring it in or something like that. And because I'm a hugger, I appreciate that. But I never thought about somebody who wasn't a hugger 
how they would approach that. And what I like about your question is you are asking for permission because some people are uncomfortable and maybe they're not familiar with that type of interaction. Touch isn't their favorite thing. But I want to go back because you went deep pretty quickly. You said, and I liked it, you said growing up that wasn't familiar to you up until 16. Yes. You want to talk more about that? That's pretty deep. They call it the frozen chosen. (laughs) I thought that had to do with embryos or something like that. (laughs) Say more. Okay, so my grandparents came from Scandinavia, and... um, Okay, we just crossed ethnic borders here (laughs) on Holy Cannoli, so now we're going into Swedish-Norwegian, but go ahead. All right, that's good. I love it. Yeah, so they're not, not, as compared to Italians, they are not expressive people. You would um, not ask you would not even think to hug somebody. I don't remember getting hugs from either of my grandmas, mm. ever. So that's why it had to be learned. And my Aunt Grace lived in Long Island, where she was in a whole neighborhood full of Italians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so she learned not only the cooking, the wonderful dishes, things like that, lasagnas, pasta, things like that, but she learned to hug. And so I attribute it to my Aunt Grace, who started it because she came over to be with us after my mom passed on and kind of was helping us to get ready for life without her mm-hmm. and do life as teenagers, um, taking care of my dad, doing stuff on our own. So that was where it came from. It's pretty deep to lose a parent at 16, especially a mother. And, I mean, there's also, gosh, I want to talk so much about it. I didn't realize we were going to go here so quick. This is good. We're sitting at my dining table, by the way, at our new house with a whole fresh box of cannoli in front of us. But can you tell more or say more about just the physical touch? And the? I want to connect this idea to the the idea like the whole podcast is about is experiencing God. Um, was that something in which you would attribute to experiencing God in, in, in a wholly unique type of way, the whole hugging thing and the, you know, like you said, the maybe the coldness or lack of connection physically? Like, talk about that a little bit. That's actually really interesting. Well, God made us all very differently. He made our personalities different from each other. And so it's a behavior that's learned and I think that um, God is honored when we respond to each other. And I think it opens up a deep place in our hearts when there is physical touch. And I remember Gary Chapman wrote a book, The Five Languages of Love, and physical touch is one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think God is honored mm-hmm. by that. But there are also people you wouldn't necessarily just hug because there has to be some um, degree of comfort and trust. So depending on the situation, depending on the people, things like that. So I feel like it's the Holy Spirit who really prompts the whole thing. Well, I, I assume, as you said, people who say no, they're, they, you say, can I give you, or are you a hugger? That's your question. Right. Are you a hugger? Right. Which I like that. I might use that. Carol's question, are you a hugger? And then if yes, or no, be curious to know why. Tell, to say more about that, right? But I think there are people who have been physically abused, mm-hmm. hurt, 
wounded. Um, like for me being a man, I know there are certain women who would be saying, no, please don't touch me. I don't want a hug from you. And I am a physical touch hugger. I, that's one of my main love languages. People sometimes joke about how like if I come into a room, I have to like put my hand on your shoulder or hug you. And I'm trying to be aware, like, you know, I grew up in the past 20 years with some rules around physical touch in our church, you know, uh, culture that side hugging, you know, you don't want to press yourself onto another person, let a little opposite sex because you don't want to be a liability. You don't want to start uh, a scandal within the church. So that was some of the things that I kind of taken, you know, from my own experience of being a um, person who loves touch, but learning how to have boundaries. But I never ask permission like you do. I like that. I like the idea of saying, are you a hugger? Or sometimes I'll say, can I hug you? But I like the idea of, are you a hugger? Because that puts it on the other person. They might say, no, <laughs> I'm not a hugger. But so let's draw this back to, I think there's a transcendent healing God embrace that happens. And we were just talking offline. So I'm bringing Wendy into the conversation here. So get close to the mic, honey. Got we, it. We need you to uh, add to this. But Carol, you were talking about an image that you have from scripture that has been integral in your understanding of the embrace or the hug. You want to talk about that? Yes, Psalm 91.4 speaks of, um, I find refuge under the shadow of your wings, speaking of God. I think it's a beautiful word picture, and it's something that I hold in my being as um, I am treasured and protected and safe. And in a hug, I find those same feelings that I am trying to give somebody else a sense of protection and value, respect in, um, in all ways. So that's my, that's my view of the Lord. He's given me this sense of um, purpose, and he's gifted me spiritually with the gift of encouragement which is all kind of interesting because <laughs> it comes really naturally to me mm -hmm. to be a cheerleader. And some people call me Pollyanna. <laughs> Who's Pollyanna? Pollyanna is, if you were a little girl in, uh, back in the 50s, Pollyanna made the best of everything with a cheerful heart and a smile. And there was never anything sad or distressing in her life. So it was unrealistic. But I really do feel that God is ministering to all of us through other people. And then a hug is just a validation that God is involved. I love that. I think that's awesome. I want listeners to consider that even right now as they're hearing is how do you view God, you know, the visual of these huge wings embracing you I think is really powerful for me I, you know as a storyteller filmmaker that really draws me into the the idea of seeing God through hugs and I mean we don't want to make like something uh crazy out of something that seems super small but I think the fact that we're talking 10 minutes now about hugs is very divine I think um, some someone might be listening right now and going I can't even imagine God would want to hug me I can't even imagine I'm worthy of a hug or I haven't been hugged by my dad or my mom or nobody has hugged me because that was the kind of the family dynamic I grew up in. I think there is some power to the idea of if we 
we'll let someone hug us. I, I, I have this idea, this word picture of being melted, like the maybe the guards or the bitterness or the hurt that we have could be melted away by the love of God through someone, some other human being's embrace. That's kind of cool to think about. Mm -hmm. I like that. Want to add anything to that? Um, well, I just noticed you said that you have the gift of encouragement, and so I was wondering what kind of journey you went on to understanding how God made you and how you said it comes really naturally to you. So was there a point where you learned like, oh, this is – this isn't just, this is what I like to do, but God actually made me this way and is glorified as I live this out. Like, do you, can you think of just kind of your journey of understanding that? We are all gifted for a purpose, for a reason that we can be used by the Lord, and he's the one who gives the gifts. But we look at the gifts that other people have and we say, oh, I'm not a great teacher like Billy Graham, or I'm not a great evangelist like mm -hmm. Billy Graham, or, you know, it's usually in the negative sense that we measure ourselves. And I always felt that what I did was less than, mm. that it was fine. People were happy to be around me, but boy, it did take a very long time to accept it as a valid gift, even though it's listed in the various spiritual gifts that God has given out. So yeah, it's taken a while to come to that understanding and realization. I think that's really interesting to think about the comparisons that we do as human beings and the way we devalue ourselves and we feel so insecure because someone else has, in our minds, this more esteemed skill or ability or gift and that you know, if you're a follower of God, you can tend to go, well, God must love that person more because they're more in the limelight or they're more loved or cherished. But it's interesting, you know, I immediately think about Mother Teresa, uh, someone who is known for doing great acts of love in super subtle, small ways. Like she talked about picking up a broom. If you want to be significant, pick up a broom. You know, she gave shoes. Like that was her thing. She cared for the least these sick, poor children, men and women, and uh, that was the way that she loved. And she's no, like she's one of the most famous names, right? People, everybody knows who she is. So I think it's interesting to kind of put a twist on the value that we put on ourselves, or the value that we put on others. And that's a really cool, you know, holy cannoli type of moment to recognize. Literally, if you, if the one thing you bring to the world is hugging, <laughs> that's important. If the one thing, like I know you're also, Carol, very much into writing cards, which is sort of a lost art these days. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I just posted this on Instagram. Uh, we have a mailbox now. Mm -hmm. And well, we got mail before, but when we lived in this home, it was owned by the organization that I worked for. And our mail was got at the main office. So we only got mail Monday through Friday. We had to walk, you know, 50, 70, 100 feet. I don't know to get it. And it always felt like it wasn't our own personal stuff. Now the mailbox is attached to our house, and I just, for the first time in 10 years, was going, I'm happy about a mailbox. Snail mail is going out in some, in some regards, but having a mailbox now feels special. Mm -hmm. you know. So Carol, I think about that, like you're really good at writing notes, you yeah, love writing cards. Yeah, we already got a card from you in our new mailbox. <laughs> Last week, I think I two, think. didn't we get two from you already? <laughs> I don't know. We've, we've... I can't always decide which one I want to send, I send both. 
So think about that, listeners, is what is the thing that you bring to the world? I mean, if this podcast can do anything, this is our third podcast of its very existence. If we could do anything right now, just be to affirm you that you have something special. You bring something that nobody else in the world can do. So what is it? What is that thing? And can you do? Can you be okay doing it and not comparing yourself to others and finding God in those things? And you might not even be a part of a church or faith community. You might not attend a building on a Sunday morning, whether it's a sanctuary or a temple or a worship center, but can you find God in the most unusual places? And like Carol, you were saying, as you ask people, are you a hugger? I also think it's interesting, and I'd love to hear some stories around this. Mm -hmm. Maybe we could be looking for God in other people that are different than us, in the ways that others bring who they are to the world in their differences, in their uniquenesses. You know, I'm married to Wendy, who is a words person, and I have never been a words person, and I had to learn how to appreciate words and learn how to speak that for her because it was something that I, even though I talk a lot <laughs> and have a podcast now and all this stuff, I would never value words. The words of affirmation, Yeah, that talk, love language. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I guess in some way too, like I would... I, I would probably honestly confess sometimes I could write off the words of others, whether they're affirmation or just what they think, because those aren't sometimes as important to me as the way you live, your actions, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's important for me to lean into, like we were talking off the podcast earlier about learning to listen to people and their opinions and their perspectives instead of writing people off because they're different political party than I am or a different gender than I am or a different orientation than I am or a different whatever fill in the blank how could I receive from somebody and actually maybe hear the voice of God from somebody who would bring something that's radically different than who I am mm -hmm. you know yeah I feel like I've been listening to um, an audiobook The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Crone, I want to say, is right. Do you have like show notes where you can correct my... <laughs> I don't have those yet, well, but I, don't I will. I know the exact <laughs> title or author. But um, I've been listening to the audiobook about it, and I love how he describes different... Um, I don't even think he'd call it personality types, but one in particular is a really strong personality. It's like a leader, the Enneagram 8, and I think of myself as the opposite of an eight, like somebody who just walks into a room and commands like, you know, their presence is there and you can feel it and they lead with strength and confidence and um, all of those things are not me and sometimes even a turnoff to me. Like I feel like it's too much and I don't like it. <laughs> But, um, but as I was reading or listening to this book, I thought, well, when people are healthy eights, the way that they show like God's glory is bringing justice and speaking up for marginalized people and drawing attention to things that we should be paying attention to and advocating for um, the weak and things like that, that I feel like, oh, I'm not good at that either because that is not a strength of mine. So just as you were saying, like being open and willing, even if people ha have really strong personalities that are 
different from yours to be able to see the value in, well, that's great that God made them that way because look at what he can do through a personality like that who, you know, is confident to lead and maybe ruffle feathers and stir some things up for change and for what God's heart is in justice and mercy. That leads me to ask some questions following up. We started the podcast talking about hugs. Well, we talked about your mom, Carol, and how that idea of her loss from your life spurred on this void of affection and then your aunt, Aunt Grace, which how what a cool name, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Um, what I'm wondering is, okay, have you experienced God from someone else in a way that maybe it started out in a, how do you, uh, not offensive, but uh, like from a defensive posture? Like, have you ever experienced God like in a surprising way from someone you wouldn't have expected? Right. I mean, Aunt Grace, you didn't expect that, but she ended up showing you a lot of love Um, and asking this to both you, Carol and Wendy, my wife. Is there anybody that has that comes to mind that represents a a moment of awakening that was someone? Oh, I would not have expected to come to know God in this way through this person. Does anything come to mind like that? I have a uh, an example. There was a gal who came to our choir, our church choir, and she was different. She was odd. She probably had some mental problems. And she was faithful. Um, She came all the time. And nobody talked to her. Nobody came near her. Um, And so I felt like it was my responsibility. And I see that as God speaking to mm-hmm. my heart. Um, didn't hear him audibly, but always felt this impression that she needed somebody, at least, to come beside her. So I did. And conversations were awkward. And she's somebody that I would never hug. Mm. And she's somebody who would never hug me because she had brokenness um, from who knows what. But I found that she would soak up all the attention I could give her. And I realized God was using me to pour into her life. Maybe things that she was missing from her family upbringing and her daily experiences in life. Mm. So that's how I felt God mm-hmm. was using me. I, Wendy and I talk about this all the time how many awkward <laughs> interactions we've had in our life, in our, <laughs> in our, my wife's face is super close to me right now. <laughs> How's my breath, babe? Hey, it smells like coffee. It's coffee. I, love it. I just drink coffee. I love it. We're doing this at like nine at night. I love it. Uh, and I just drink a full caffeinated cup of coffee. <laughs> Remember, we, we briefly talked about the, uh, the name for the podcast being Caffeinated Dreams. Oh, I don't remember that, but I'm glad we landed on Holy Uh, Cow. So I digress. But the awkwardness of, I mean, humanity, human beings are awkward. I I feel like I'm awkward. Yeah, I I for sure am awkward. We're both awkward. People are awkward. But I think sometimes when we... When we embrace those other awkwardness things, we can laugh about them. But I love the fact that you... Well, I want to talk about hearing from God too. You sensed God was prompting you to go connect with her. And 
you probably experienced something from the Lord that you wouldn't have experienced if you didn't. You ex- you got something and she got something, right? But you had to push through whatever those walls were. This is someone who's got some challenges and who maybe I wouldn't want to befriend or I don't, you know, I wouldn't naturally. What would we talk about mm-hmm. in that kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. What in the world would we have in common? So there was a fear. Mm-hmm. It was just basic fear mm-hmm. of, I, it's going to be awkward, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to know where to go. But God supplied the ideas, and God supplied the inspiration mm-hmm. of how we were going to be interacting. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't just a one-time thing. I mean, this went on for several years, that she was always in choir. She was very faithful. She brought friends who were just as damaged as she was, who didn't even know the Lord, but she felt so loved being in choir um, that she wanted other people to experience, her friends to Mm -hmm. experience it. And that was, to me, God showing me that I could push out, push beyond, Mm -hmm. push beyond that fear, see beyond to what he might have for me on the other side Mm -hmm. of that. So, yes. I think the the church, you know, phrase that, you know, I have my opinions on how we describe the church, you know, so, but I do, meaning listeners, if you're hearing this, I don't like the phrase go to church because I feel so passionate about describing it as a people, a group, not an event or a building. But this idea that I've heard, I don't know who said it, so if you guys don't tell me, that the church is a hospital or something like that. I don't have show notes yet. I don't know how to do those. Someone help me. We need an editor. Uh, But the idea that the church, the people of God, are meant to be a place where the hurt and the wounded and the awkward can come, and it's a tribe where people in which you're meant to belong. And I know a lot of people listening, and this is one of the reasons why I started the podcast, is I as I was moving on into this new space and time and trying to figure out what our life looks like as a part of a faith community, I, I, I know there are a lot of people who feel hurt by the church, however they describe that, right? A lot of people who uh, are damaged or lost or confused or frustrated or bitter or whatever, and I get it, and I've probably hurt many people, you know, in in the, the work, quote-unquote, that I've done as a pastor because there's so many hopes and dreams and expectations that people put on the church or leaders of the church or anybody who has that name branded Christian follower of Christ, etc. So my hope is that people listening could be encouraged to find a faith community in which they could belong and or be the faith community in which awkward and messy and damaged people, because we all are awkward, messy and damaged in some way. That's the beautifulness of like the holy cannoli theology is that you can find God in the most unusual places and through the most unusual people. If God speaks through an ass, a donkey uh, in scripture, if God speaks through a bush, a burning bush, if God speaks through um, lepers and beggars and prostitutes and all that kind of stuff, then we can find him in you know, in the choir with the awkward person, and we can find him in the grocery store or at the gas station or in the alleys and the streets. And so that's something that I think I love talking about, but it's hard, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody wants to nobody wants to be the person that has to go across the room and deal with the person who's talking to themselves <laughs> while they're eating, you know, the 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 pizza bites at the party or whatever. <laughs> What do you want to say about awkwardness, honey? Come on. Um, I live awkwardness. <laughs> I love awkwardness. That's my favorite humor on TV. I love swapping stories with uh, 
with people about this awkward thing just happened. Yeah, I love one thing I love you do, Tone, is when we encounter somebody <laughs> like off the charts just crazy you usually just laugh and just say thank you jesus you got a big smile on your face and just say thank you jesus like you just recognize like i thank jesus for God awkward andrea you. or awkward adam or whoever that oh no now anybody no, you know named andrea no and no no andrea adam no not these just, names are not i just had to pick an a <laughs> Okay, let's let's end the podcast with uh, riffing. Oh boy! <laughs> I just made fun of him because he did a Facebook Live yesterday, and I think he said riff like three or four, <laughs> three or four times in five minutes. So I did a riff. That's an interesting. I did a riff on my dad, and, and at the end of the uh, the riff, <laughs> when he said, "Could you say riff like one more time?" Because you said riff a lot. So, Riff, let's talk. Let's wrap about this. We're going to talk and end the conversation around parenthood, around motherhood or grandmotherhood, and wrap it up in a holy cannoli way about anything you want to share about the awkwardness of parenthood, the pain of parenthood, how being a grandmother has changed you, or how I think embracing, we're you know going to release this podcast the day after Father's Day. So I'll start with the one thought I have about experiencing God as through um, my parenthood, I feel probably 100%, uh, you know, I'm not exaggerating, but all the time, like I'm not good enough, quote unquote, as a dad. I'm not present enough. I, not, I don't have enough time, even though I feel like from the outside, you might look and I could look at my own life and go judge myself and go, okay, I'm at least in the house, you know, <laughs> for five nights a week. And uh, I put my kids to bed sometimes and I pray with them and I hug them I still feel as if they need more from me and they want more and I can't give them more and I have three kids and I feel pulled and as two parents with three kids it's like we're never able to give them everything they need but the biggest thing I've learned is that those limitations are exactly how they're going to experience God if I can be honest with my kids and say I'm sorry you know a lot or I might be wrong in this consequence or in this um, decision that I'm making with you or how I see the world. I might be wrong in, you know, changing our life and changing jobs and moving. I could be, could be wrong. I don't know. If I can bring to them that honest piece of, hey, I'm human and I'm trying to make sense of the world and I'm clinging to God and to the truth and to this holy, strange, sacred life to the best that I can, I think that's really the only thing that I can give to them so that they can do that for themselves too. Because I'm definitely not put together. I don't have all the answers. I have to ask for their forgiveness because I'm short with them or um, rude or whatever, fill in the blank. And they have to come to know God in their own way. As much as I'm going to try and lead them and give them answers and have good conversations, I feel like my inadequacy is some of the best things I can offer to them. As a parent, as I feel so insecure and so tired, and I wish I could give you more. My mom, who is going to be on this podcast in a month or two, my mom would always say, <laughs> I think I talked to her about this, I can't remember. She'd be so at the end of her rope, 
you know, from all of my requests or my brother's needs, she would say, what do you want from me? I have nothing left to give. And then she like literally pull her, her veins out like a heroin addict and say, do you want my blood too? And she'd like slap her wrist. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, I don't want your blood too. It was like, she just felt like she had nothing left to give but blood. But now I get it. I understand these little vampires just want everything. So that's my comment on experiencing God <laughs> through parenthood. Oh my gosh, that is a funny transition. That's good. Um, what am I thinking about? I guess experiencing God as I raise three girls with really different personalities. I think it's cool. I feel like I'm seeing God reveal himself in different ways. I just love that idea that he has wired them the way he has and that they're going to do things for his glory and his kingdom. Um out of the passions that he that he's given them, the temperaments that he's given them, so it's really fun. I think we really try to um, encourage what they find, you know, what their interests are, and try to be understanding about their personalities, and you know, try to broaden their minds. Um, whenever possible, but also just embrace who they are. Like this is, yeah, this is her personality and that's because this is what makes her tick. And, um, that's not anything that we've done. That's just how she came out. <laughs> so just, it's, it's cool raising three kids in the same home and you think you're raising them kind of the same way and yet they're really different mm -hmm. and they actually need different things from us, um, than, you know each other so I feel like we've just had a front row seat to see how God um, creator God creates different people mm -hmm. it just helps you kind of understand like oh yeah out in the world there's all these mm -hmm. different types of people that are bringing you glory in their own special way mm -hmm. so mama so mama would say <laughs> <laughs> um I think that the greatest gift that I can give my grandchildren is my view of a God who protects them. Um, that God is there. He is always there. Also, the belief that um, he is currently at work. Sometimes the news of the day or the circumstances of life make one question whether or not God is asleep, is he not even present is he on a different planet mm -hmm. and yet we know that God is and he is always at work with his people for his plan and his good purposes and I think that is really important for our grandchildren our children to really have a firm foundation in the character of God um, our lives will play out, circumstances will happen, we will marry people, we will become disillusioned with people, friendships will change, and life will seem like um, it's great tumult. tumult. Mm -hmm. And yet, to have someone saying, but God is, God is, he is a great I am, and he is still at work, even though we can't see it. He is still at work, and that we should be looking for that. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I like that. Look for it. Go, more, more. That's what <laughs> we call her in her grandma role. 
more and more. But it just made me think of how many people we know who point to their grandmother as like a total source of really learning about God and like the beginnings of their faith. I feel like we have encountered so many people through the years who say, Mm. yeah, my grandma would sing me these songs. My grandma Mm. taught me those verses. My grandma brought me to the VBS day camps or whatever. So go grandmas out there. (laughs) Okay, speed round. These are speed questions. Speed questions. Just for just for more and more for Carol, the namer of the podcast. Okay. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. It's no more than a sentence or two. Oh, okay. All right. What brings you comfort when you're in pain? A hug. <laughs> <laughs> She's going fast. If you could change any aspect about your life, past, present, what would it be? Well, my mom died when I was sixteen. And I was just in high school. And I feel that um, I struggled with why would God allow this? And in a way, it's made me more open to many more people than I would have been because I had this lack in my life. So it's something that maybe I would change if I could. And yet, I'm not mad at God for it. I spent too many years being distressed by it. But I'm content. I love that. That's that's a big one. I mean, yeah, to get our loved ones back. How many of us would want that, right? To get my grandma back would be awesome. Okay. What dreams? You're 70. What <laughs> dreams? You still have to have dreams. What <laughs> dreams do you have for your future? They're not big dreams. Um, I have a dream that all my kids will live in the same place <laughs> in the same part of the world. <laughs> but I'm very fortunate because they all live on the West Coast. <laughs> Driving distance. Okay. Driving distance. But I, I can understand. Don's mother used to say, can't you just be here? Can't you just come? And, and as young adults, young people, we just didn't see the need that there was to gather the chicks, mm-hmm. you know, to bring them back home mm-hmm. uh, and be in contact. Mm-hmm. So you could you could pray about that dream. You never know. <laughs> oh, I do <laughs> <laughs> regularly. <laughs> it almost we almost were down south. Okay, keep praying. Okay, next next question. You know how much I love uh, film and TV. And I believe God speaks through those mediums. But what are you watching, and how is it impacting you? Well, I'm going to modify this a little bit because I'm going to tell you my favorite movie. Okay. My favorite movie of all time is Dead Man Walking. Mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. And the reason, Sean Penn. The reason is that uh, Sister Prejean honored her Lord by doing the hard thing, which was coming alongside with her gifts of encouragement, not to the victim's family, but to the um, the perp, yeah. Sean Penn, the character that Sean Penn mm-hmm. plays. And that movie so beautifully characterized a yielded heart and a heart that trusted the Lord so completely that she was able to pursue this task before her joyfully 
with great care, with great love, not reluctantly. And I just love that. I love that picture. That's what I want to be. That's good. This will help you answer this last question. If you had to answer it in a word or a sentence, is how would you describe yourself? And then why are you here on earth? I, I, I asked the question of who are you and why are you here? I'm a follower of Jesus, a Christ follower, and I am here to serve him. That's Carol Kerr, everybody, the one who suggested the name for this podcast. She has her cannoli. (laughs) And it was good. It was wonderful. She has been gifted with a whole episode. So this was awesome. The perfect timing for her to come visit. So thank you more and more. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, mother-in-law, for being my guest today. Uh, If you liked what you heard, um, let us know on our podcast page. We're actually on Facebook you can look us up under Holy Cannoli Podcast. We'll be posting interactions. I'll even post a picture from this very session on that page. So check it out. You can leave comments and questions, or if you want to suggest any conversation, we would love to have your suggestions. So this week, ask someone if they're a hugger. <laughs> if they are, give them a hug. And I'd love to uh, have you tweet at me at Tony Gaffestone. Have a great week, and God loves you. Thanks. That's exhausting. (laughs) How can you do this? (laughs) 